1947, after the Eckstein band broke up, we uh, took a trip to Africa. We were in the interior of Nigeria because I wanted to live among the people and find out just how they lived and about the drums especially. The drum is the most important instrument there. So here we are, we are at the Brownswood basement and this is a, an incredible moment for me because I've got probably the most incredible, influential musician that's ever appeared in this basement, Mr. Tony Allen. Yeah, it's a nice basement. Oh yeah, well it's, it's got a few little surprises in there, including a packet of Three Kings. <laughs> Three Kings, <man. laughs> Three King cigarettes, which I actually picked up when I was in um, in the shrine a few years ago. I was there with Femi Guti, and uh, I slipped into fella's old bedroom. Not a lot had changed, actually. They they kept all the furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept everything. Yeah, and sure. and, yeah. Uh, and I, I sort of sneak. I did ask Femi, but I took a packet just as a memory <laughs> a memory memory of that day. Um, so it's brilliant to see you. It's it's great to see that you've got a brand new LP and a brand new record label as well. Right. Yeah. So what happened with that, and um, how did you get yourself onto onto World Circuit Records? Oh well, you know, I mean, maybe it should have, should have happened longest time ago, but uh, sometimes you always wait for time for things to happen, you know, um, because um, you know Nick uh, Nick um, saw me playing at the Barbican sometimes and he invited me to Omusangari's um, album at that. I think about seven years ago, 
And um, at, at the end of the day, anyway, I, mean, I think they couldn't use the my own stuff. You know, kind of, but my drumming is weird, kind of weird for Omo at that time. I, I thought, but as time goes on, as time goes on, I've been doing my thing everywhere, you know. Uh, but this time around, but you know, at that time, Nick thought uh, you know we could work together. But I was, I was having different. Uh, uh, labels then, you know, so it was not possible. Um, we waited for the time, and this is the time that this music, you know, I, I never even thought of of um, Nick, but my publisher, them, they thought about him that oh, he should be the right person to listen to this music, and they took it to him, and he listened to it, and I think he, so yeah, okay, so from there we then that's where we started, you know. Fantastic. Well, you've fallen into the laps of probably the most um, influential and, you know, he's done so much for world music. Yeah. I mean, do you call it world music? Is that a bad term for you? How do you, does that world feel? World music, every time I... I'm, I don't understand it yet. Maybe you, you could explain it to me a bit, you know, about, about world music, you know. Why is, it, why is it world music? Well, I'm always trying to work that out myself. I mean, in a way, it's obviously music from around the world. It's an easy way to describe music that isn't necessarily from the UK. <laughs> But um, I think it's uh, it's it's probably um, an outdated term now. I think it kind of you know was was relevant a few mm. years ago. But I think now there is so much sort of everything is world music now. Exactly right? because uh, we should call every music world music then. You know that be the case. Let's talk a bit about the very beginnings for you. This is what really fascinates me. First of all, as a drummer, you started off as a as a studio engineer, right? Yeah, kind of repairing the stuffs. That was my job, you know, repairing. I mean, them stuff, you know, broken. You know, uh, that was my job. You can help me out here. <laughs> if I have the time, man. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so, drumming for you obviously became something very serious. Um, were you able to hear influences? Who were your early influences in terms of, of the drummers and the kind of music you were listening to? Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, apart from listening to the local stuffs, when when I was growing growing up because my father always even to always give let us have the taste of what it is to be in the local music you know like my father my father plays guitar but he never he never used it for living it's just to amuse us at home you know and I think I listened to him and his friends you know this our our normal native stuffs you know juju music you know folkloric you know but that never inspired me, but I just I just knew that there was music in the house. But then, uh, when I grew up myself, tried, I mean, being able to crawl the night myself, club crawling. Yeah. <laughs> so I started developing interest in the, in, the, in the bands, you know. And as a matter of fact, I, I was listening to a lot of jazz, jazz records from, 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 from on the radio which are Blue Notes, or just Blue Notes records, you know. And <clears throat> as time goes on, I was, t I knew I knew that I would like to play drums because the drums is the only instrument to me that is kind of magical for me, apart from all the horns and things. And uh, I started to listen to Jim Krupa, and Jim Krupa was so good then to me, you know. Then after, as time goes on, Blue Notes records started coming in. Then I started to listen to Adbeki. 
So I break it, Erwin Jones, and all those them stops. I saw two different ways of drumming now, you know. Both of them are playing jazz, but one is different. And I, I prefer to, to go on at Blakey's side because uh, he's more playing the drums now. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was influenced by Afro-Cuban rhythms a lot. Yes. And he was in Africa before too, you know, so he had gathered a lot, you know, so I, I, I never wondered when I read, read his history uh, on um, his book called The Belge. The, the, I think it's Charlie Sparker's book. I read about, about him there that, oh, he was, he was with us before, traveling on Ghana and Nigeria, you know, for two years. I think he must have got enough. So, and he was, he was able to send it back to us, for us to even <laughs> start learning from what, what belongs to us, what's sent back to us in a different way. So, I mean, it was good inspiration for me. And you started quite late actually playing the drums, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think I was drumming inside my head already before I picked it up, you know what I mean? And when you actually decided to make a career out of it, how did your family feel about it? You were living in Lagos. My, my, my mother was number one that never accepted it. She's just told me, no. I said, but wait a minute. When I made up my mind already, because I stopped my job already and um, it became some kind of um, problem in the house, the argument, you know. But my father was the only one that would tell me not to do something, then I didn't do it, you see. So, and when my father heard about me going to play music instead of um, leaving my job to play music, well, <laughs> he just laughed. He said, well, <laughs> what can he do? I've left my job already anyway, so he has to do something. Then he said, let him go and do it. My father said, let him go and do it. Let he goes, if he, if he goes there, if he doesn't, if the road is clumsy, he might come back. Yeah. Comes back and then maybe choose the right way again. But I knew quite well that when I put my feet in there, I'm not going to come back. You know? But I did. And uh, 18 months later, something blew into the, my face. Like, the band was disbanded. Disbanded. I never committed no offense, you know, so, but when it's coming from the top. And then that made me stay away six months. I said, I'm not going to go back to music anymore because uh, I, I hate to be jobless, you know. So which band was this? This was Cool Cats. Cool Cats, you know, led by Steve Wallace. Six months later, because I went back to start reading again, studying, get my city and guilds on electronics. But Six months, they never let me finish my studies. They came to drag me out again for a new band called Agunoris and the Heat Waves, six months later. So from that time <clears throat> till now, I never stopped, you know? Incredible, <laughs> incredible career. And you're like a lot of drummers. I don't know what it is about the actual, you know, being a drummer, but it's a long life, I mean, Chico Hamilton's still doing it, Steve Reed's still doing it, Art Blakey was doing it for, for years and years. Mm. You've still got as much energy as ever. I mean, is it a fitness thing as well? I think so. I think drumming by itself is an exercise, you know. If you if you would play six hours a night or four hours, two hours, you know, you're exercising your limbs all over. I think it's a good exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, tell me about... Actually, one thing I wanted to ask you, because Fella, he had a radio show. No. Did you hear him on the radio before you met him as a person? Uh, no. <laughs> I, was going to, I was going with him to do his radio programs. <laughs> you know, I used to sit down by, by, by him when he's reading news sometimes, when he's, or when he's presenting records. Before he decided not to present records anymore. But now he has to do it live. All them jazz, jazz uh, albums, um, Blue Notes we're listening to, he decided to, for us to play, play them live. So he was having Felar and some Kuti uh, and the quartet. That's okay, that jazz quartet. Then. Oh, I see. So he'd play the music live in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were playing strictly one year. Him and me, we were doing, we were doing, we were doing live jazz music. Wow. Is there some recordings of that? They must have it in the uh, NBC, radio, NBC, NBC, uh, Lagos. That's the Fela Kuti, Tony Allen, Jazz Quartet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's before Kulo Lobito. Oh yes, exactly. And all that stuff. That's, yeah. in, that's incredible. Um, wow. I need to need to dig that stuff out. And like. Would you do cover versions? Would you do standards as well when you were doing that? Or was it all original material? Uh, oh, no, all I did, they are all copyrights, you know. It is all, all uh, recorded music before, but he doesn't want to play the records. He wants to play it himself. But would you do versions of songs that you were listening on Blue Note? Yes. So you'd, you'd do Moaning or Moaning, the Moaning, all those them, them stuffs, you know. You know, Charles play, you know, we've done it you know, several times, you know, so... One year, full year, you know, I was, felt I was playing his own music. Wow. Incredible. Now, one thing I wanted to, you obviously go back to, to Lagos sometimes. You yeah. did some mixing of your new album in Lagos. Yeah. Can you kind of um, describe to me the difference between Lagos today and Lagos in 1969, 1968? Is it wildly different? Well, it's different completely because... Um, at that time, you just mentioned things were so cool, you know. Like you can go out in the night at any time. Any time you feel like coming out of your house, you are safe. It's not as safe like that today again, you know. Just because of um, just the, because of the, uh, the 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 military era had already eradicated many things, you know. Because um, the country became military country has gone everywhere and. Um, this is a country now that that many graduates don't have job, you know. So what what are they going to turn turn to? They know every, every so all the madness in the country today is just is just because um, things are getting worse, not better. Mm. And uh, all the political messages that were prominent in the music that you were recording with Fella, mm. um, did anybody listen? Those ones that are supposed to listen are the ones that don't listen. Because if there should be any change at all, the change must come from the top, you know? And then the people down will follow. But when the top doesn't listen, they, they down, they, them they listen, but they cannot, they don't have the power to, to change anything. So they, they still remain in the same shit. And um, the, the, the authorities don't listen. Yeah. That's why there was problems in the past, you know? Yeah. It was too much for them, you know, to have one guy, you know, so powerful like that, you know, that can send messages and he can even mention names, you know. So, so you know, it was terrible for them, you know. I wanted to ask you 
a bit about we were saying about Art Blakey going to Africa, mm. Nigeria, Ghana, mm. <clears throat> spending a couple of years there, taking it in. Did you ever meet Lester Bowie? Because he did the oh, same yes. thing, right? Oh, Lester was with us. No, Lester was a friend. Lester was a friend who was almost living with us. I would say, you know, we see him every day, and we ended up in the studio together. You know, it was on one of Fela's albums, you know, so we did all that together. Mm. Because it was just after the burning of Fela's house, you know. And uh, Lester was there for uh, Festac. And we remained for Fela's friends, you know. Were there any other musicians, um, Americans, that you sort of hung out with or that spent some time? Randy Weston. Wow. Yeah, you know, Randy Weston was Fela's friend too, you know, was passing by, was coming on stage, he was playing with us. Incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, um, him and Sikela and all of them guys, you know, uh, passing through the house, you know. And did you live in the shrine? I never lived in the shrine. I just passed by, you know, every day. <laughs> I imagine that everybody lived in the shrine that no, was in the band. Never, never, never. But None of the musicians live with Fela. That's one thing, except the singers. And you know, the singers, they are his wives. So <laughs> automatically they have to live with him mm. as their husband. You know. And did Sun Ra ever come to Nigeria? Sun Ra? Sun, Sun Ra? Yeah. Sun Ra? Yeah. Sun Ra, I'm not sure. He never came. Did you ever meet him? No. I never met Sun Ra himself, no. I just met, I just met David, David Conrad. Conrad uh, last uh, three months ago or something in Paris. He came to play. You know that these children, I, I'm working with these children. Hypnotic brass. Which we did a session with you <laughs> in a Maid of Vale, which was amazing. That's incredible. The Philip Cohen. Is there eight of them? Eight of them, yeah. And they are the Hypnotic Brass yes, Ensemble? Yes, yes, yes. That's just crazy. <laughs> 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 Is he still alive, Philip? Is of course. I saw him two, two, uh, two months ago, three months ago. Right. Uh, in Paris. Right. With those, those children, they came to play with him too. And he lives in Paris as well? Or no, what? no, no. From, they all came from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, actually, talking of places to live, um, you live in Paris now. Yeah. Um, Randy Weston lives in Paris. I don't, I'm not, I don't know if he's living in Paris, but sometimes he might, he might, because it seems I've seen him about two occasions somewhere, you know, hanging with the other clubs, you know. He might be living in Paris. I think he lives in the States. It seems to me that <coughs> Paris is a place that a lot of people have obviously fallen most in love with. Most of the jazz, most of the jazz guys there, most of them are in Saint-Germain to pray, you know, around Saint-Michel. You know, most of them are living around there. And how long have you been there for? Me, I've been there for 24 years. And is it a good place for you? You're happy there? I'm happy because I, uh, when, when we're talking about music, it's the only place I find music easy for me to... to to, to, to get together, you know, easily. You know, it's my those my guys over there. They believe in me. They, are not, they know me. They know that I don't ever call them for shit. You know, it's very it's very good for you know getting your music together. Yeah, because you had the choice in a way of coming to live in England because yeah. you spent some time here, but you chose to, re to record this one. To, yeah, <laughs> never expect power yes. always. With Jumbo, yeah. you know. 
This, in fact, Never Expect Power Always for me was the first time I discovered you mm. as a DJ because yeah. I bought this. I bought this record, um, and I, this is even before I knew that you were in Fellas Band. Actually, ah, ah. yeah, at See? the time that was like a new artist who yeah, called, yeah, called yeah, Tony yeah, Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fell out for fifteen fucking years, man. Nineteen eighty-eight. Yes, uh, yes, that, 1988. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It was we called it eighty-five. And it sounds wicked now. <laughs> N E P A, Tony Allen. Let's play it.
Okay, let's talk a little bit about. Um, I want to hear. I want to hear a little bit about. I mean, you were with Fella for many, many years. Um, actually, the first thing I've got to ask you about. Brian Eno calls you the, the greatest living drummer. You've worked with Damon Alban, of course, who's a big fan of yours. You originated Afrobeat, which is a rhythm that keeps going, and it never you never grow tired of it. Um, was it just? Did you plan it out? <laughs> plan it? Yeah. What is Afrobeat? Uh, Already in Afrobeat, the expansion of Afrobeat is like uh, is is it is combination of other rhythms, different rhythms together, you know. And you put them together, you fuse them together, and send it once, you know. So it's combination. So it's like for me, you know, um, when I'm writing, I'm writing, you know, it comes, you know, it, it's it's got to come. When I start it, I just I tell myself I want to write something today that I never played before. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I get bored with repeating myself, you know. So sometimes I could repeat one a particular pattern twice or twice on an album. But if you check it, you will see that it's been, it's, it's not, it's the same pattern, but you will never recognize it if you don't check properly because of the way what I put on it. I always like to write different grooves it's grooves, me. I'm for grooves, you know. I'm, I, I don't think about anything than grooves. I don't want to be flashy drummer, just you know, playing everything everywhere. I could do that if I want, you know. But I want you to know how the mechanism of the drums, how it, how it's rolling, and that's by you know, it's patience and and um, collectivity of everything together. You know what I mean? It's my way of life too. You know, I get bored. It's something. <laughs> I tell you, there are some incredible tracks um, that have just, I can play them forever as mm. a DJ. Um, obviously, a lot of fella tracks, um, yeah. tracks like Ruffa Ruffa Fight. I played that the other day. It's, oh, yeah. six, it's 16 minutes long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ruffa Ruffa Fight, and it's a good composition there, anyway. And the, the work of Ruffa Ruffa Fight was something. Ruffa yeah. <laughs> From Abeguta City. Translation to original English. <laughs> She pulled it in, come on. She pulled it in, come on. All those From Abekuta City.
because for like being a genius himself, you know, for like say, to me he's a genius by writing. Regardless of his way of life, musically, that's it made me to because I was with him, we started this thing together. That's why I was able to achieve what I am today because uh, I was looking for such such guy to work with, you know, because. I won't, I won't, I won't improve. It's, it's like, Miles Davis said, if you want to be, if you want to be a, a great musician, all the time, that you don't want to go down, you better work with those ones in the, in the same level like you, or even better. Then you can, then you, then you have nothing to lose, which is true. What was the greatest moment with Fella, musically speaking? When was the moment where the band, everyone was on the same plateau, the, the same bubble, the same space? When was the, the perfect time? Do you remember? It's in the 70s. You know, everything, everything we have done between 70 to 78, fantastic. You know, I was happy to be there then, you know, because we built it together and I saw it through. To the to the to the to the utmost. I mean, what will I call it? But at the time, I just have to quit, quit because um, I think I got enough. So you did what? Ten years of, of Africa seventy. Fifteen years. 15. Oh yeah, ten years of Africa seventy, and five years of Kula Lubitus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't probably know because a lot of the records have been re-released as Felakuti records. Yeah. yeah. But um, there are some re-releases of that available now. They've all come out eventually. But we haven't yet got the the fella and Tony Allen Jazz Quartet. We're gonna that's the Ah yeah, that one. You see, I think sometimes, you know, check um some you know that's um there are some records of fella. Although although this is the radio one no, but we have we have done jazz live at their full spot. Recorded. It's on some of those CDs they released in Nigeria, you know? This um, this big pack, yeah, boxer, boxer, mm. you know. So it's it's on it. And where what would be your favourite tracks? I mean, it's difficult to say, but if you could play like five fella tracks, mm. what were the sort of the ones that gave you as the drummer the most pleasure, the most satisfaction? Uh, uh, a lot of confusion. Uh, confusion was one good album that I think I have done. Confusion. Uh, I like more close. Um, you know, Shakara and Lady them, they you know they, they, they were there anyway. So, but uh, everything's scatter. <laughs> you know, you know there are a lot of good, good, good pushy songs. You know, like um, give me bread uh, before I jump like monkey. You know, no bread. You know, all them tracks. Yeah, something. You know, zombie later. You know. <laughs> yeah. You had the shrine, and you had where was the live performances? Where did you perform at the Afro Spot or? Yeah, we, we were performing from Afro Spot to Suru Lily Nightclub, then to the shrine. Yeah, actually, I'm getting confused. The shrine was was the club which has just yeah. been rebuilt, yeah. and uh, the Kalakuta Republic was Kalakuta where. Republic. That's where the first shrine yeah. was is, you know, situated there near Fellas House. Yeah. And how did it work? I mean, what was the day that you'd perform? Was it once a week you'd play there? Four four days in a week. Four days a week? Yeah, it'd be Tuesday, 
Tuesday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And was there a difference between the days and the type of audience that would come and listen? Yes, for Tuesday's ladies' night. And so all ladies know they are coming free. And so they're full in there. And then the guys, they were paying just for Tuesday night. And what was the night that got the most sweaty? The, what was the latest night that you had? Was it the weekend? Oh, that's Saturday. Saturday night. Friday night and Saturday night. And what was the longest set that you'd play? How long would it be? Six Some... hours. Six hours? Yeah. <laughs> but that is a normal time. That is a normal time you play with Fella anyway. White in Lagos, yes. Six hours. Wow. And so when you went and did gigs around the world and they said you've only got 90 minutes? Yeah, that's what it's, 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 it's painful. It took me a long time to, you know, to accept it or to that outcome. You make me come all the way from somewhere. I travel all the way. You want me to play 45 minutes, 50 minutes. It's kind of, it's not sin, man. It's not the money, you know. They give you the money, but it's not the money I'm after. No, I didn't want to ex expose what I'm doing. 40 minutes is not enough, you know. You know that 40 minutes for fella is just like, one song yeah. or two songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, talking to you, what's interesting is I think that um, you could be a DJ in the sense of there's not much... I mean, just the, the way you're describing the nights and there'd be a ladies' night on a Tuesday yeah. and you're playing for six hours. In another life, do you think you could have been a sort of a DJ? I could be, you know. Yes, why not? Because I know things, I know records, I know sound, you know. I remember I met you um, in, in Brazil, um, <laughs> maybe three or four years ago. We met in, a, in the lobby of the hotel. And uh, that was for, what was that for you were doing? It's for this uh, B-Cross, Brand Cross, uh, uh, together with Mad Lib and everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like um, exhibition of, or what would I say? It's, it's like DJ and drummers playing together. That was Brazilian time? Yeah, Brazilian time, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You see, so it's uh, kind of interesting because I've done it uh, again with him in in, in um, LA, and I've done it in, with him in uh, in Ireland, in um, uh, Dublin. The Irish feel it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the great it was great for them. But that's one thing about you as well. I think that you've always been into improvisation and, and trying new things out, which is why I think it's not really been much of a surprise to see that you've performed with people like Charlotte Gainsbourg. Yeah, yeah. You played drums on La Ritournelle with Sébastien yeah. Tellier. I didn't yeah. realise that. Yeah, <laughs> I played it. Yeah. Yeah, I played it. And um, what else did you do? I mean, obviously doing the Brazilian with time stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Raphael. You know, all of them, have, they, they, you know, they, they didn't my playing, you know, but the point is that... I don't see myself everywhere like that, <laughs> so you know, I, I need to take care of myself sometimes. Tell me a little bit about how you met up with Damon Auburn and how that whole connection came up, because that was a that was a nice surprise. Uh, for Damon, you know, was, you know, for Damon, it's, it's it's very simple, you know. He was singing on uh, "Music Is My Music Is My Radar," "To Nailing Makes Me Dance," so that made me to check the guy that well. <laughs> so you actually heard the song and yeah. you heard him singing Tony Allen makes me dance. Yeah, yeah. You know because it's, it's flash, you know, in, in the song, you know, but you could hear it. Then I wanted to do when I was recording uh, home cooking. Um, there was one track left because I was inviting guests, you know, one track left and we still were looking for who's gonna sing it. And so Brad, Brad and B, um, they are producers here. Yeah, uh, the what they call them, and on song heroes. They told me, oh yeah, uh, they could get Damon. 
to sing it. I said, oh, yeah, Damon, they want to sing on my track. He said, yeah, and they, they took it to him that Tony wants to, Tony wants you to sing on the track. And so we had a meeting somewhere on Cancer Rice. And uh, he said, is it true I want him to sing on my album? I said, of course, yes, if he's, if he can do it. Hey, he said, why not? And, and he came to the studio. First day, he never, he never did it, but it, it, it took the music away to his own studio. The next time we see him, he brought, the music was done. And I love it. I love it so much. I said, yeah, okay. So now I, uh, the day I told him, I said, well, you know, this is great, but I think it would be great if, you, if we can do something together from scratch, you know? And uh, yeah, it was like that. Everybody was still busy doing something or that. You know, he has to deliver album, deliver his job to EMI and things. And so when he finished, he called me. He said, it's finished now, so we can start getting together. That means I, I was coming from Paris to London every week. And we did it, and then we went to Lagos, and then to record this album with Nigerian musicians, mostly Nigerian musicians. I went with him, uh, Mike Smith, Simon Tong. Um, those are the musicians from his own side. And with, with my own bass player from Paris, with the other guys in Nigeria, all the rest from Nigeria, horns, everything, the other uh, guitars and things, everything, percussionists. But when we came back, we finished the album two weeks, and when we came back, it was too much for him. It was too big. <laughs> he said it was too big, you know, because he just imagined himself going on the road with this. It's going to be a full house, you know what I mean? I think he just he abandoned it and said we should keep on writing. Keep on writing for to simplify things. And uh, first of all, it, we, we found it difficult to get the type of bass player he wants. He doesn't want bass player that plays too many things. So he has to go and search for it. So he searched. And he brought in he brought in Paul. And uh, well, since Paul came in, so then it was serious now we were serious now to now putting things down. You know. And that's how we finished with the with the, the good band the queen thing. You know? You see? The good, <laughs> the bad. And the queen. That's right. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that at the Roundhouse. <laughs> and uh, that was a fantastic show. Yeah. And um, after that, you've been working with him on this uh, Jazz Africa Express project. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Africa Express. Which is just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. We were, that's what we did in, at the Shrine last, last October. Collaboration. You know, everybody was there. It was good. Let's go back to your career. Um, I've just found this record here, which uh, was somewhere hidden in the basement. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the um, Progress album, yeah. Yeah. which um, I've got. I, I picked up a lot of, of vinyl when I was in, in Lagos, and mm -hmm. most of it is, um, is is unplayable. Yeah, 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 for sure. When at that time, I mean, this, if you have something that could be played now, this is this sounds great. I mean, <laughs> this, somehow this is almost a mint copy on yeah. Coconut Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what shall we play? Shall I play Afro Disco Beat or shall I play Progress? Uh, yeah, because uh, Afro Disco Beat now, you know, is everybody's because they used it for this film, The Last King of Scotland. 
So Afrodiscopit is what they used on the movie, you know. Everybody knows Afro, that Afrodiscopit now, more than before. Just because it was just on the film, you know. Anyway, in play, progress is better. Yeah? Yeah. Um, that kind of leads us on to, to, to now, in a way, because you released a few solo albums, of mm. course, um, and um, and then you released your f record for Honest John's, and, and now just about to come out is, is Secret Agent, yeah. um, which is a wonderful record. Um, is it Lemmy who's done the artwork? No, no, no. The, all the artwork there is done by Worsakit. Because it looks a little bit like a Lemmy sleeve. Um, some of it's a bit. The inner sleeve is a bit like you know. The, the he did all the fella stuff, didn't he? He did, yeah. did a lot of your stuff yeah. early on. Um, I know, maybe not. <laughs> no, maybe it's not. them. It's all their creation there. They have their department that was doing. Uh, you know, all these are photo work, photo works. You know, maybe maybe this one looks like painting. Uh, yeah, computer drawing, whatever. Yeah, it looks good. Talking of computers, do you do you use drum drum machines? And do it's you just it's to write, to write. Yeah, it's to write before I go on my drums, just to work out patterns that I never played before. Yeah, I want to play a track off this album, which um is is, is a little bit different. I, I really love this track. I think it's my favorite track on the album. It, you've got accordion on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I draw. Yeah. Yeah. What, ma what made you? What made you bring? Um, what made you bring the accordion into the mix? The just, um, just like I, like I used to do. I always want to make sure that my Afrobeat doesn't sound like anybody's. You know, I have different ideas to what to put on my Afrobeat, but I, I don't want to choke it up too much. Still, I just like to still drop some flavors. You know, and my accordion, my my keyboard is, is playing accordion. You know. And he's a very good accordionist, you know. So I said, let's, let's, let's for the change. Let's just use accordion. The sound we're after, man, you know, one good sound. As long as it's playing something, you know. It sounds, it sounds strange because uh, people wonder that like, what's accordion doing in Afrobeat? Well, I said, okay. Well, if you if you don't, you haven't heard it before, do it this first time. We should start getting it. <laughs> It's a fantastic track. Let's play that track. Yeah. It's so hard to resist. It's so hard to forget. 
Okay, Tony Allen um, with Giles Peterson just going through some of the tracks off the brand new LP coming out on World Circuit Records. The album is called Secret Agent. Are you the secret agent? Uh, no. Because the secret agent will not be me at all, you know. The secret agent is the one you should be, you should be careful for. You know, make sure that you, you watch your back because you don't need any backstabber. <laughs> You certainly don't need no backstabbers. Um, Okay, let's play another track off this album. What do you think we should play right now? Yeah, go for celebrate. You know, celebrate is celebrating, and uh, this one, if you want to play anything for now, celebrate or Mario. Let's go with celebrate. Yeah, Yeah, I want to celebrate the fact that Tony Allen is here (laughs) right now. Brilliant. Okay, a couple of other questions. Um, I had a few people um, send me some messages um, on Twitter and uh, I, I, I asked actually um, the people um, to ask... I asked them if they had any questions for me to ask you and uh, lots of people um, were very, very um, interested in, 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 in your life and, and, of course, what you've done. Um, a couple of people asked me to ask you a little bit about um, the work that you did with Ginger Baker. Did you ever work with Ginger Baker... Yes, and Berlin Jazz Festival. I opened, Ginger's supposed to be opening show for Fela, but it happened that Ginger would not do it alone and he wanted me to do it with him. So I did it with him. You know, it was like drums, you know, just drums business, you know, for one hour, you know, and it was just cool. And recently we just did, I just did this last December, somewhere in Shepard's Bush, we did a um, um, show together for, for Zildjian. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. the drums. Yeah. Are you sponsored? Uh, I mean, I have sponsor of, of my Pearl. Pearl, I have sponsor for Pearl. You know, I have to give me new brand in drum since. What does it well, mean being a, be, being a drummer sponsored by, by a drum company? Do they give you everything you need? Yeah, they give me, they, for Pearl. Pearl gives me everything I need. 
Any, anywhere I'm playing, playlist is going to set up for me. Right. But they gave me my own, which I used with the, the good band, the Queen, you know, which I, I left it in Demon Studio because I cannot take it to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Another person who's a big fan of yours, we were saying this earlier on, is, is Brian Eno. Yeah. I say ever... I wish to meet him. You've never met him? No. That's crazy. Yeah, I wish to meet him anyway. I, I'm, I just know that it's time factor, you know. Uh, I have to catch up with him sometimes. And another person. And I even like to do music with him sometimes, well, if possible. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's funny <laughs> because in a way you've got yeah. Damon Alburn and you've got yeah. Brian Eno. They're probably yeah. the two most yeah. important producers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like to, to work with him sometimes. It's my intention. That's got to happen. Um, another person that people were asking me about, one of the last recordings that you did with Fella was um, Africa Center of the World. Yeah. With um, none other than Roy Ayers. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, how was it playing with vibes and drums and working with him? Because he's such a great person. Royas is great, <laughs> you know. Royas, you know. I, I, I happen to, you know. It's like on that tour, fellow called me for that tour, one month tour they did in Nigeria. I left him already, and he and he called me and he said, um, "Oh yeah, that uh, he wants to go on tour with Royas and this that that that, so that I should come along." I said, "I come along to do what?" I ain't playing with you on stage anymore. I said it, that it's done. I don't want to sit that again. But I could do something, which is maybe record recording with him. And But this time he called me to come and tour with him for... I said, what for? I'm not playing. He said, no, 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 it's not for playing. It's just to do his sound for him, you know? To do his own sound. Wow. To assist. Royas uh, engineer. Okay, so I said let's go. The funny thing was that after three days, three shows remaining, back in Lagos after the all the regions, back in Lagos, three days they have three major shows remaining, and um, Royas drummer decided to, to take off back to the states, <laughs> and he left them and he left his drums behind and uh, said they should bring his drums for him, but he, he's gone. And so that's where when um, Royas have to play a fucking big show that night and his drummer is not there. So he was trying to maybe to try some of Fela's drummers because Fela had two drummers. He was maybe to try one. So somebody suggested to him that, why are you wasting your time for? Why not meet Tony to, to play to play your drums for you? He said, with Tony. Royas, so Royas knows Tony to be a sound engineer. <laughs> so it was, it was, say, no, they, 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 you won't be joking, you know, he was just doing that just for Fela, you know, that you want a drummer tonight, tonight, that's the right guy. So he came to meet me, he said, <laughs> they said uh, I could play drums for him, I said, of course, yes. I've been listening to his all his music for a whole month. I sit down in front of him, Bernard Pudi playing a whole month in front of me. I, I know so this, the music is in my head. I might not play like Bernard Pudi, but I know the songs. But I know I will, I will handle them. So I finished the three shows for him in Lagos, you know. And so they had to end up in the studio. And I went to the studio with them, just seeing everything off to the end. And there, Federal was writing, Federal wrote this Africa Center of the World instantly in the studio. And, it, and he doesn't trust his drummers. So he said to, 
this when he, he called me again. Ah, that's oh now where this time he thinks he thinks I should come and play the drums because those two guys there can't will not handle it because it's just instant writing. This person like me will need to play the drums. Okay? So I accepted. Then I did it. Well that was my last my last gig with him. My last recording. With Fella and yeah. with Royers. Royers. That's yeah. brilliant. That's a great story. What a great track as well. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good man. <laughs> well listen, I'm really thank you very much for coming, Tony. You're welcome. I'm really, really appreciate it. Um I think this is sounding great and um I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to ask you, but no, I just want to wish you the best for this project. And are you going to be doing any shows in the UK? Have you got live shows? As soon as in this ones, I'm sure we're going to do maybe launching something like that here. We arrange it. I'm sure we know from World Circuit where they've reached. Great. Well, I want to thank you very much for for doing the session you did for me um, with Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, spending some time with me here in the Brownswood basement and. Uh, and uh, just chatting and um, honestly an incredible career so far still loads more to go keep experimenting sir thank you <laughs> thank you very much Tony Allen on James Peterson Worldwide.